Hey fellow tennis nerds, I hope all is well. You gearheads, racket nerds such as Chris and I will hopefully enjoy this one. We're going to talk about racket strings and whatnot. I'm here with Chris Edwards, the icon from Tennis Warehouse. You probably know him already. We've done one episode before if you want to hear a bit of backstory. But today we're going to focus a lot on the gear. Welcome, Chris. Thanks for having me, mate. Good to see you again. Yeah, good to see you. How have you been doing? You have made a huge switch in your life. Not in a big way, but more in a racket way with the Prestige Classic 2.0, which is why I reached out particularly. Yeah, um, so I've got a bunch of Prestiges in here with me. Um, so I'm in good company today. And uh, yeah, so I, I've been hitting that racket actually for quite a while. It's, um, different versions of it kind of as it was getting ready to come out. Um, and so, you know, I fell in love with it very quickly. And I've just been keeping it secret for the last kind of like six to eight months. And I've just been using it more and more and more. I have a couple of them. And so a lot of string play testing I do here at Tennis Warehouse, I've been using that racket. And um, so, yeah, when we finally got to shoot our reviews and, and put them out there, it was fun to, to be able to tell everyone that I'm back using a mid. Um, it's been a while since I've gone set that head size and, uh, you know, I grew up playing the Prestige. So it's uh, it's fun to be back with that racket again. <laughs> Isn't it funny how we kind of somehow always return home in some way, especially when it comes to equipment, but in all things, like it's kind of like you go on this long journey, but usually you end up home and you see that also with the pros, like what they what they know best is the muscle memory. Everything is just where they go back. A lot of them, not always, but but it happens. And you've been on quite a journey. You played with like extended like pure drives, right? And then the, the T-Flash, which is very powerful. Speed Pro, I think, was the last one before this one. And now, so you go like full circle, like mid to, to all all sizes. I mean, maybe not oversized, but now now in the mid camp again. Yeah, I mean, you know, back in the day, uh, I played the Pro Stuff eighty five. Then, um, in like uh, when was that ninety nine uh, ninety eight to two thousand, I was living up in San Jose, at San Jose State, and I was teaching tennis, and um, I was using the Pro Stuff six zero ninety five, um, which that racket, great racket. You have to add a little bit of weight to the to the tip, like right at 12 to dial it in. Um, but it was a racket I could feed with, you know, and then, and I had a good junior come in, I could hit with them too. So that was a really nice racket. Then when I started at T-Dub, um, I was back using a prestige mid um, for a little bit there. Then I went through a bunch of Yonex mids, um, uses the, uh, the MP Tour 1, I used the RDX 500 mid, beautiful rackets. Um, then the RDS came out, didn't like that one too firm and ended up switching, I think to a different brand back then. Yeah. And then I got kind of on the, you know, the pure drive train and I was like, man, it's just easy to win matches with this racket. You put a poly in it, especially with the Rodic pure drive. Rodic was the first one I hit with and you had to kind of play a spec. So you had that stability, the plow through, but with that super easy power and spin. And so just serves and forehands, um, for fun, uh, to hit and then that really opened my eyes up to using more powerful rackets and so that was why it was easy for me to go into something like uh, a t-flash um, i went to the pure drive plus for a little bit too i really like that on the sliced backhand because extra length you know get that leverage you can kind of just flick your wrist at the last instant you go down the line this way or you pull it cross goal like that you know so it was um that's a kind of a go-to shot for me and so it was fun to hit that racket and then you know when you know, started hitting these mids to get the spec dialed in uh, for this Prestige Classic. I was just like, man, this feels like home again, you know, and uh, 
different ways I think to play well. Um, you can go to get that kind of pop and push through the core, which is what I'm looking for out of a racket. You can go heavy, um, but I find that when I go heavy, I've got to go mid because it still cuts through the air well. Whereas if I go heavy in something that's like a 98 or even you know 100, especially on and above, um, I run into a maneuverability issue that I can only put down to probably aerodynamics. And then um, going with the mid, I get that benefit of it. I've got the mass-based power and I've got the the smaller heads so that whips through. And so I can hit a big ball, like I could say with, with a pure drive. I'm just getting there using racket weight as opposed to, you know, the inherent power in a racket. Yeah, and I, that's an interesting, I mean, that's always a dynamic we have. And I think that's what a lot of like, you know, racket nuts or tennis players in general, like you always have this kind of control versus power. Where do you find your... I mean, some are more like obsessed with spin, but if maybe you're a traditional player, but you've been flirting with the power of like pure drives and these modern rackets, which we tend to do because it's it's so addictive to also play with power sometimes and play with spin and, and be able to win these easy points. But then you start missing sometimes that prestige-like feel or that like confidence you have that you can swing out and not worry about missing. It's, it's, it's on you. Was that the feeling that made you kind of want to go back because you feel like you want to, you know, have the contrast of being like, okay, here I get a lot of help, but now I wanted to have it all, all on me and that's a fun and it might not be forever, but like, let's do that for a while and see, see where it takes me, you know? Yeah, the feel, you know, I mean, you know, I'm not making my living out on the tour or anything like that, never have <laughs> been close to doing anything like that. And so whether I'm winning or losing, it's an ego thing. You know, it's not a money-based thing or making a living thing. And so it's just the enjoyment of the game and really enjoy that interaction with the ball that the prestige gives you. It's just a beautiful feeling racket. Um, it just makes my tennis really fun. I'm having a lot of fun out there hitting it on the court. Um, and the transition has been pretty easy. And I think maybe because I grew up, you know, my friend, I was born in 73. So my first rackets were wood rackets and, um, you know, it, it just gives me that kind of like that pure feel again. And um, going back to mid, I think, you know, I, I don't have massive spin shaped mechanics. And so I, you know, I hit through the ball a little straighter than a modern player. And so I think going to a mid is maybe a bit easier for me um, in that regard. And then, um, yeah, for me, it's just the, the feel, the enjoyment of, of playing with it. And it brings back good memories and, um, yeah, just really makes my tennis fun. So at the end of the day, that's that's what it's all about. I I think that's an important point. It's sometimes I struggle with that like thing when you're trying to help players or you're giving advice. You're like, people want to play with more difficult rackets than they should. Everyone wants to. I mean, that's I think a general feeling. Like most people want to be like, oh, I want to play with RF ninety seven. I think we talked about that last time, and I talked about that with other coaches and what. Like, there's a lot of three, five NTRP guys that come there with an RF ninety seven, and you try to say, hey. This is a very demanding racket to get it on time in the right, you know, uh, zone is going to be tough for you. Uh, but then on the other hand, tennis has to put a smile on your face. And if you're playing for feel and touch, and maybe you are a flat hitter, why not play with a racket that, that does that for you? Maybe it's not it's so important to win matches or to be able to hit with best depth all the time, you know? So it's like you have to really ask yourself what do you want out of your tennis? I think that's mainly the, the thing, right? Yeah. And then honestly, with this racket, you know, got it right here. I haven't, um, I don't feel like I've given up a, a ton of that. So hitting this one, so this is the the, the 2.0, um, hitting this one, I get some good plow throughout of this racket. My ball is going through the core. And when we were testing it, 
Um, I was hitting it primarily against um, one of my favorite rackets. This is an old Prestige Pro um, 600. And when I hit with this one, when I hit them side by side, this one, the feel is beautiful. Obviously, it, it's got everything I want for my Prestige, except my ball kind of sits up a little bit. And I was noticing like I got the feel I wanted, I got the placement I wanted, um, but the ball was sitting and then it was coming back with interest, you know, so my opponent had time to to get there and then get plenty on their shot. And then when I would do that with initially with this one, so this is the one of the prototypes um, I was hitting when we were getting the classic 2.0 dialed in, I noticed my ball was going through the court and I was like, they might still get there, but they're late, you know, or they're cuffing up a short ball that then I can put away. And I'm the kind of player, it's going to take me a couple of shots to, to get it done just because I'm not ripping winners from the baseline. Um, you know, I'm more going to move the ball around, maybe finish with a drop shot or come in and put a volley away. And um, this one I actually found that sometimes I didn't have to even get there. You know, I was getting enough penetration on my uh, shots that it would force an error for my opponent or I might even just sneak it by him. So, um, yeah, the, the power for me out of this new one um, Compared to my old Prestige Pro 600, and it could be because it's been strung a million times, it's been out in the sun, it's, I probably left it in the trunk of the car a few times, you know, it's it's an old racket, it's from the 90s, and so probably not what it once was, um, but the, yeah, the classic 2.0 is uh, definitely delivering for me on, on the power front too. Super happy with my first serve with it, um, backhand down the line is 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 working well, it's one of my favorite shots, I like to take it early and just kind of um, really flatten that ball out. And uh, the weight of this racket really works well on that shot. At this time of year, I usually try to summarize my feelings about all the rackets I've tested over the year and trying to kind of get the gear of the year. And I, I did make a list uh, earlier today before I was playing my, my uh, match. Um, what's, what's been your like takeouts of this season? Like what's, there is any standouts or anything like you were like, wow, this, this was good. You know, this was a, a surprise or something that, that stood out a bit. Uh, so a racket I had really thought long and hard uh, about making a switch to. I mean, I've been using the Speed Pro for over two years now. So um, there's a new one coming out um, next year, by the way, um, which I will be starting to hit soon. So I haven't even hit that new one yet. Um, but I was so I knew my racket was was going away. And so I was like, OK, I should probably start looking, see what else is available. And then I started hitting um, the V Core 98 Tour. And man, I really like that racket. It was a good racket. It's got um, just that natural stability to it. Uh, really like the way it came through the ball. I felt, felt like I was serving really well with it. Good consistency, good pace. Um, one thing I, I do like about the V Cores is the way the ball comes out of the string bed. You get a nice loop. Um, out of the string bed on that, which is bizarre because I always play 1820s, which are the exact opposite. But uh, I do like the spin I get out of that. Um, as a fan of the 95, uh, 98 and 100 in the V core, and then with the 98 in the tour spec, um, it's a really nice racket. Again, just had that for my, you know, swing and, and level and build, it had the stability I really like, and yet it also felt fast and easy enough to maneuver. So I kind of got that. You know that sweet spot for me where it's feeling solid at impact yet i can still get it around quickly so that was good yeah i've heard about that one i i'm not yet tried it i don't know if there's any restrictions in terms of um like is it available everywhere or is it us focused or uh certain jurisdictions do you know 
Yeah, not 100% sure. I know with the plus length rackets, Yonex tends to just bring them out to the US market and there just doesn't seem to be the demand um, in Europe for those, unfortunately. Um, so I know that can frustrate some players that are looking for that spec over there. Um, but the 98 tour, I haven't actually looked um, to see if it's available even at, at Tennis Warehouse Europe. So um, yeah, it's a uh, nice racket. So if it does come out over there and you get a chance to demo one, highly recommend that one. Um, and then the other prestiges I hit too, um, I've got a couple of them here. So the, um, the Pro, uh, I was on the Pro and the, and the Tour as well of the new prestiges. And I really liked uh, the Pro. It's um, out of the two, the, the specs that we have, um, the hitters that we have, the, the Pro was a little whippier. And so at first I was like, I had that same issue I do when I hit my Prestige Pro 600, the ball was kind of sitting a little bit. And then when I started to just swing bigger, faster, um, just to get the ball to push through the court a bit more, it really opened up for me what this racket could do. I was getting really nice shape on my shots, lots of clearance over the net, getting the, the ball to dip well inside the lines. Um, I found I could swing as quickly as I wanted and not over hit with it. Uh, it's such a controlled racket. Um, as rolling angles really well. My volleys, touch volleys were working. Really like the feel on the slice backhand. Um, maybe missing a little bit of pop on serve. So, you know, just kind of, you know, I'm not, I'm under six feet. So I'm, I'm hitting spin on most of my serves anyway. And so um, this one just really looking to work the slice and get the ball moving around as, as much as I could. And then the tour. Um, I've been really enjoying as well. And this one, um, this one, I do get a bit more uh, pop on my shots. So uh, the surface serve works a bit better when I'm going for a big ground stroke. I find it it's, um, you know, getting the ball to push through the court a lot better. But it is um, a racket where I have to take care of my timing a little bit more than I do with the pro. The pro I can get a little lazy with here and there. And the tour I found um, just had to be a bit more dialed in, a bit more focused with it. Um, yeah, not quite as uh, easy to maneuver as is the classic, believe it or not, on, on a full fast swing. No, that's, that's true. I also noticed. I, I think I in, in terms of maneuverability, I think the mid-size racket is the ultimate sweet spot. Like, that's really... I think if you ask Marat Safin, he would say the same. Like he, he's like that. It's that where you can have a lot of mass and you can still swing the racket properly. It's like you said before. Like the as soon as you go up to even ninety eight hundred square inches and the weight is high, the racket becomes very unwieldy. Like it's very tough to, to get any racket head speed on the ball. Like maybe unless you're Rublev or someone, but it's like tough to to get that racket to whip through. Maybe like you can use a Gravity Pro because it's the thinner beam helps a bit. But if you have a thick beam and a lot of weight, and I've seen some prospects with where they're playing like 360 grams with a pure arrow, and and you're like, how do they even swing this racket? Like, okay, a pro <laughs> yeah. is a pro, but still, like, it's it's a it's a funny spec, you know? Yeah, I mean, we when we were testing the Origin, um, you know, the pure arrow Origin, the Rafa, it's close to Rafa specs. I mean, it's it's very close. Um, that was a beast of a racket, and then Troy Lara. Bless his heart. He he doctored one up. He really, really, he really, uh, I say we, he tail weighted it quite nicely. And then we put a leather grip on it, which tail weighted it even more. And then suddenly we've added weight, right? Now suddenly the racket is so much easier to get around. I'm not late anymore. I'm like, ball is going where I want. I'm kind of getting that plow through. And we just made it a lot more head light than what he would play. 
Um, and so it it tricks the body into making the head feel lighter and faster than it than it did previously, because now the weight's under your hand. So there there are definitely ways to make a heavy racket feel quicker. And sometimes you know it's adding weight. It's just uh, changing the the dynamics of the racket, changing the balance of the racket, and and um, making it just rotate easier, even though you've actually increased the weight. Still doesn't mean you're not going to get tired. Of, you know if you're going to three sets, but <laughs> at least. It feels a little faster in the hand. Yeah, I really love that racket. I thought it was one of the most fun playtests of the year. I would say, like, I, I did appreciate if I looked at the rackets like, that I was going to go on my list, like I, the Prestige Classic and the Aero Rafa Origin were two of the most fun rackets because they were extreme, but also, like, they had something unique, you know, in a way, like Rafa with the massive swing weight. You could, you, you if, if in the first like 30 minutes of playing with that, you could hit, you could play above your level, like really. Like, I noticed that when hitting against guys who play futures and stuff, like, they're like, oh, you're hitting much bigger now. I'm like, yeah, it's, it's not me, believe me. <laughs> it's, it's just like I'm managing to swing the racket for 30 minutes, then you get a bit tired a bit late, and suddenly the ball is just out, you know. Uh, but the Prestige Classic, same there, you have a, some unique feel unique maneuverability in the frame and you can play that racket 360 grams you know and it's fine you know so it's like uh, i like those when when they are a little bit different like you see a lot of the rackets that are very similar like 98 with the 60 19 string pattern 400s uh, so it's fun to have something that stands out a little bit you know yeah yeah uh, you know another racket that stood out for me this year um in a completely different way was the shift the pro so the heavier of the two shifts um that for a dense string pattern racket, I think was like if you you know like to play eighteen mains and you're looking to hit with spin, so you get the a bit more control on the flatter shots, um, and uh, and just that feel at net and kind of the bite on the ball you get from an eighteen main, but you really want to hit with spin. That's the racket, man. I don't think I've ever played a racket with eighteen mains that's that spin friendly and just super fun racket to whip around. Um, you know, I like. I like to have fun on the course. So I'm hitting angles and hitting drop shots. I'm kind of just seeing what I can do with the ball, you know, and, and having a good time. And that's a racket. I could be really creative with it because it was easy to maneuver. It was, you know, felt really fast through contact. Um, so yeah, I, I had a lot of fun with that one. Um, and I, I know, I think on the playtest team, um, I would say they generated more of a preference for the lighter one, which had a more open pattern. And that was, that was again, a fun, I thought a fun racket for like big first serves, big forehands or big ground strokes, just cranking it. But yeah, the 18 main on the pro, it was a really fun racket for me to hit. Did you, did you hit that one? Yeah. Yeah. I, I did like the lighter one more. I, I did like the 1820 as well, but for me, the 1620 was still controlled enough uh, that, but had like really good spin. I, I think shift, the shift was the most innovative launch this year, in my opinion, like that stood out, like there's a lot of the releases even the percepts and the gravities and the radicals, they were kind of like subtle improvements of previous generations. And I, I all, I think they're an improvement in every way. I'm not trying to exaggerate there, but it's like, uh, there's very subtle, like you need to really test a lot of rackets to understand what's happening. What's the difference here with the Oxetic or, or even mm -hmm. the percept where they changed a little bit of like the stiffness, you know, and, and stuff like that. But, but the shift was, was fun because it was new and it was good. It was, it was a good addition. Like, and, and I guess like version two, I'm looking forward, like they might make even further improvements. And, and I think a lot of players that I talked to and, um, from all kinds of levels, they, they love the, the shift it was, it was like a thumbs up for, for most people, I think. Yeah. I think now they have the benefit of doing 
you know, what the other companies or other racket lines did that you just mentioned where maybe the second version is a, a subtle update. Um, whereas I think with gravity, um, I think going from, you know, Vico pro into percepts, you know, you just needed something subtle to happen to update it because you already had a really good platform. It was, wasn't broken, you know, don't, don't do anything too drastic to try and fix something that's working just fine. Um, and I think, yeah, it will be interesting to see how the shift line um, progresses and whether they go for a big evolution again, or if, if they just do a kind of a tweak it and subtly update it, which I think, you know, those other rackets you mentioned, the companies all did a good job right there. And so um, Percept, I think for me was uh, a line, like the more I hit it, the more I enjoyed it. The 100D especially, it was pretty close spec to what I was using. So that was the one I, you know, really kind of felt at home, most at home with. And as again, it was a racket. The, the more I played with it, um, the more I was like, found out what I could do with it and how comfortable and confident I was in matches and, and stuff. And, you know, we, we play test for, um, for at least a month with everything. And I think for something like the Percept line, that's really important because that was a racket the first week. Honestly, it wasn't that wow. But then by the end of the month, you know, I hit the 100D, the 97, um, the 97D and the 97H on those ones. And the more I used all of them, the more I was like, okay, this is, this is me with this racket. I really started to learn what I could do with it, what shots were feeling really good, you know, and, and how I was going to approach a match situation with each model. Um, and I would say that 100D and the 97 were the two I played kind of my tennis with, you know, with the H I got to modify my game a little bit just because that's a, that's a heavy racket that I can't maneuver as much as I would like. Whereas, you know, the, the classic 2.0 is pretty close spec wise, but comes around so much easier for me. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I also had the same experience like you. I mean, in the beginning I was like, okay, these are feel a bit more stable than the V course. But I wasn't sure like if it was something that I'd enjoy over time, you know, and the more time I've given, especially with the 97, in the beginning, I thought the 100, I haven't tried 100D yet, it's in, it's in the office, so um, I'll, I'll try that. But the 100D is interesting from a spec point of view from me as well, but I tend to like like 98, 97. So the Percept 97, I needed to doctor mine up because it was a bit below spec, but once you did that it, it plays great like and it really grew on me you know more than the 100 100 was my winner in the beginning but then like now 97 is very good still not tried 97d which should be on kind of my uh, up my alley you know uh, mm -hmm. but the 97h like with the previous generation it's like a fun racket but it's it's just too much you know too much mass it works for hurkacz and uh, and players like that maybe but but for me it's just like it, it's a bit too much to to swing yeah yeah it's uh it's a lot of racket and um... I run into that issue with the RF 97. Um, and even, uh, going back to like the original tour 90, that was, was like, man, why is the 85 so much easier to swing than the tour 90? And then when the K factor version came out, so we had the K factor 90, finally the racket started to feel a little bit more maneuverable. And I know they changed the kind of position and shape of the yoke a little bit. Um, they made it a little bit more, they extended, you know, the graphite um, right here above the, the handle. And so they made the yoke a bit smaller um, and more like the ProStaff 85. Um, and so actually looked a bit more like the, the mold you saw on tour. 
and um and it 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 rotated better you know and so uh, i kind of learned with that change there that okay weight balance swing weight on everything sometimes the the shape the racket is constructed in is also going to make a difference on, on how it feels with all those other specs being the same um and how it quickly i can get it to rotate around so yeah that was interesting yeah i think that kind of knowledge grows the more rackets you test to start clicking on some things i mean obviously it's not an exact science tennis racket so it's like very much based on your perception and your feeling and your technique and all these things but um, the shape of the racket, like it can really be, uh, you know, some people can't play with Yonex, for example, like it's impossible. They think like, oh, isometric, it, it looks weird, feels weird. Well, some people love it because they get extra on it. So it's everything is a trade-off, you know, it's not like you can't design a racket that just has all the pros and none of the cons, you know, it's, it's always going to be there. So I do also notice that, like, I really like, uh, similar to you, like a racket that comes through in a good way. If a racket feels slow to me, it's it's not a good match usually. I, I like to be able to swing out on the ball and, and feel like okay, it's it's just you know pray that it goes in. No, but you know it's like uh, if if it's sluggish, I think I will I will just start to dislike the racket quite soon. You know, it's just a classic that one. Yeah, that and uh, and then obviously handle shape is important yeah. too. So uh, a long time ago, so when was this like maybe two thousand and five? I was down in Boca Raton at Bosworth International. And I was chatting with Warren Bosworth and we had just started um, selling vintage rackets then. And so I was looking at the collection, some of that he had and um, curating a, some rackets for us to have on the website here. And um, he took me through his whole customization process. We looked at beam shape design, you know, he had that kind of like octagonal head shape going on. And, um, and then he has a rack of handles all with the Bosworth leather grip on and you go up and you grab each handle different sizes, different shapes, and then you pick one that you liked. And and I was like, okay, this is the one for me. And he goes, okay, that's the head palette, the classic head palette, four and three eighths, you know? And, um, and I'm like, yeah, that's kind of, that's that's home. <laughs> and so, I mean, that's maybe why I like the classic 2.02. Um, I think that's why I like Technofiber rackets so much. And I love the TF40, it's a beautiful racket. Um, yeah, I played vocal for, for many years too. And those all three are a little bit more rectangular, had probably the most um, than something like a, a Wilson or Prince or a Dunlop or something like that. So, um, yeah. It all yeah, I think the, the grip is so important. I think people don't realize. And I think like the experience you had, I wish tennis shops had that. Like I wish there was like, like in golf, like my, my, um, my friend is, coming down to to visit here and he's, he's a golfer like and he wants to get a custom set uh and in malta where he lives they don't have these like pro shops that are doing this service pretty much everywhere else i think you can find them in sweden or, or us whatever but he wants to go to a pro shop and then you can actually like okay measure your swing and you can see like you need this extra length or you need a shorter club or whatever and i think we would be cool to have something similar in tennis where you're like okay you know feel the grip the shapes and the sizes and you get like, oh, this feels right, you know, when I swing it. And then you move to the next, like, and then you, after you go to the shop, you get like a proper analysis. And then you're like, this is your racket. Because, you know, it's then you, then you have that kind of custom experience and probably you're more bought into the style and you know more about your thing, you know. And that would, I would have appreciated that at some point in my tennis life, like to have that, like, okay, this I like, you know. Now I try to test everything, so I, I know what I like and not, but I, I know what you mean. So for you, uh, what else, what stood out this year as far as you, what rackets you've hit? Uh, 
Yeah, I, I think I like I wrote a list of the ones I really liked. Uh, but but yeah, like I said, the Prestige Classic and the the Arrow, uh, the Heavy Arrow, I think I much prefer. Uh, has a, the denser string pattern. It's like the same same pattern as the the Arrow Twenty Twenty Three, which I really like as well. Uh, Percepts were good. Uh, I did like the Gravity Pro this year more than the previous generations. Like I, I think the Gravity Pro feels better. I hit with it the other day. I just like the Oxetic Gravity Pro more than the the older ones. I felt like those were always maybe a little bit slow through the air, and uh, even at times it could feel a tiny bit harsh or something, you know. But this one feels a bit smoother. I don't know why exactly why, but it feels good. I like that one. I can see why it's like among pros such a popular racket. Like you mm -hmm. know, it, it's such a winner. You know, Sverre Rublev with Safiulin now, and it's like there's so many players using Gravity Pro because it's like that modern control racket but with a more forgiving head size so you can actually swing faster and if you miss hit it's fine you know it's not a 95 where if you miss hit it's it's done you know <laughs> it's over mm -hmm. uh you're not novak so uh besides that yeah i played I, my, my my match racket this year most of the year was the radical mp you know it's it's weird it's not a racket that stands out in any way it's just very dependable does all things pretty well but nothing like exceptionally and I think that's that's a good thing for especially for racket testers. So it's like then I, I you know it's, it's it's nice to have a racket where you know oh this is home I know what where the ball is going. I'm not gonna be wowed by the theme. It's not a prestige plastic or even a prestige, but it, it gives you a bit more power and spin than than uh, those kind of rackets. You know? mm -hmm. Another one for me <clears throat> would be the Pure Aero 98. Um, ah, yeah. Another, it's not like that new anymore, but a fairly new racket and. Um, Man, I just play really well with that racket. Every time I hit it, my level is solid. You know, I'm just really happy with the tennis I'm playing. Um, and uh, I've tried it in various different scenarios, different speeds of courts, clay, hard, fast hard courts, slow hard courts. Um, and then I've uh, also tried it with multi-filaments and with polys. And it's just a good racket. You know, it's uh, it's got that nice pop, so I get a little bit more juice on the on the kill shots I'm going for and then still got plenty of control it's nice racket to carve angles with rolling lobs I feel like I can judge you know find the baseline with a lob pretty well with it um so yeah really really nice racket yeah you reminded me of that one I, I almost kind of lost track uh it, it's it's one of those records that I feel like when I hand it to people they would be like wow how can a 98 play so powerful and so spinny because the launch is high, but it's not like crazy high, you know. I think some of the Yonex V cores were not my favorite because of the launch was a bit high. 95 maybe had a held it a bit lower. But this one felt like it's 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 also a racket that puts a smile on your face because you can hit these crazy forehand winners, which you might mm -hmm. not be able to with some other rackets. It has that kind of arrow dynamic feel to it that where you're like you're really whipping the ball, you're feeling like Alcaraz for at least one shot, you know. That's <laughs> <laughs> just one shot. Um, so that racket is very good. I've, I've tested alongside the VS with several like high quality players. Most people prefer the VS because they feel like it's more solid. I'm completely opposite. I feel like uh, the, the new one is much better, much softer, feels better. Uh, I just feel more connected to that racket. For me, it works better than the VS. Uh, mm -hmm. So I, yeah, big, I don't know. Big change for me in, in the performance of the two. Yeah, it's like that felt like a refinement. You know, I always like... And I get, I also understand because Head is the refinement racket manufacturer number one. Like they, they are refining their rackets, uh, like it or not. But it's like, um, 
they generally do like a, a nice subtle like they have the molds they feel like they have so many rackets they don't need to create new molds because they they have like seven lines or whatever and i do understand that then like okay this is a subtle improvement what we know this from feedback from players and customers and then you bring that out because the rackets are are delivering what they are said to do you know so uh, you can't really fault them for that because it's, it's difficult in the racket industry to come like come up with a new concept like that is most concepts as you know after all these years testing you know you know it's like they're not that easy to come by you know yeah yeah uh what else i've been hitting been hitting some selenkos um been hitting one that people are talking about on the message board that we don't have yet but um looking at maybe bringing that one in um yeah the whiteouts the extended whiteout uh and the 27 and a half was uh 1820 that's a fun racket um Again, you got that kind of leverage-based power, um, so you get a nice swing weight to it too, but with the denser string pattern, helps control it a bit more. So um, I know, uh, I think Mark Boone is is really enjoying those those rackets. Um, so yeah, any anytime you know, I find like a a racket's offering me a couple of things. You know, it's like oh, I've got power here, but I've also got control here, or I've got stability. Plus some, you know, it's still maneuverable enough for me that those are the rackets that kind of, you know, I'm like, okay, this is a good fit for me. Yeah, I, th I think you need to check several boxes. Like there, I mean, there's so many rackets. So uh, I think it needs to to check your, your strength box, but also check like a control box at some point. Like you need to have like, okay, this this gives me strength enough to have a good serve or a good forehand, whatever you, you have as key shot, but then also it needs to check maybe the control box. So you just feel like, okay, at least in these situations where I need to actually control the racket, the ball, maybe on defense, you know, I can do it. And then, then that's a possible switch. And then it's just like about feel and comparison, comparing it with other rackets. I heard many good things about the extended the whiteouts. I didn't try, I tried the whiteout in 1820. I thought it was a very good racket. So I can imagine the extended ones are, are just more of that. Uh, I sometimes struggle with extended rackets. I've tried over the years to get into them, but you know, sometimes I just feel like they get a little bit slow. But that one wasn't super slow in the specs, at least. And like some ESO 98 plus are not always that slow because the specs are not so so swing weight heavy, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think especially if you have a one-handed backhand, like something on like a return of serve, they can get a bit tricky when they're long, and they've got some weight to them too. Um, when you're deeper in the court, you know, you've got time to set up then um you know i feel like they work fine and i always find they work fine at net i know some people that's where they have an issue with longer rackets but the volley is such a compact swing compared to everything else um that usually that's why i can play with a heavy racket or a longer racket with the least amount of adjustment just because i'm not doing a lot you know i'm just kind of letting the racket hit the ball when it comes to like strings, have you uh, have you settled on a string for your uh, classic? Like, I mean, because I, I I just tried mainly with the velocity MNT. I thought I played well, but I, I would love to try it either with a hybrid or with a with a poly. Uh, that's my next next thing to do. Yeah. So I'm going um, 16 gauge uh, poly in it, full bed. Um, usually, if I'm testing a string, that's what I'm going to look for. Sometimes they only come in 17. Um, but I, you know, so like I hit, uh, eco power and eco rough in it, like both of those in, in there for different reasons. Um, right now I've got, um, a string I'm testing, but it's not out yet. So I can't really talk about it, but it's a silver poly and it's 16 gauge and it's pretty firm control oriented. So that's what I'm looking to go with. Um, something like, uh, 
Cyclone 16, Razor Soft, uh, Lynx Tor, Slinko Hyper G, any of those in a 16 gauge, you know, a Big Bang original, I'd be a happy man. Yeah. Why do you like 16 over like 17 gauge? Like 16 just, is uh, 30 at... in the European standard, right? Yeah, yeah, 1.30, um, just a little data response. I like this, the string bed to be pretty firm and controlled, and um, that's how I get that. Yeah, if I, I was playing like 15 L's, but they're really hard to find. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I'm, I'm the same. I, I don't like the string to have too much action. I, I, I get, I lose my confidence, you know, it's like, then I feel like it's, if it's too much liveliness, I understand why some people can do that. But if you don't hit with so much spin, you need to control the controllables. Like you need to feel like, okay, at least the string needs to be a little bit more muted dead than, than like one of those that spring in and like suddenly your, your flat shot isn't going to sail by like one centimeter, but it's enough, you know? So it's, it's one of those. Yeah, and I think that's the same reason why I like 1820s. Um, you kind of get there in a, in a similar regard for that. You're adding more string material to the string bed um, yeah. and, and kind of deadening the response, especially on those flat shots. You know, like for me, it's always um, like an approach shot or something like that. That's where I really want the control. And, and that's where I kind of get that from a thicker string or from a, from a dense string pattern. What's um, with the eco strings now? Like I liked really the eco rough more than the eco power. The eco power was not bad, but I felt like the eco rough was a very good string. It had a nice sensation to it when I, when I hit with it. I only tried one set so far. And that's all I got because I got it from a friend. But uh, what's yeah, the feel much, there? much like I found with like Alu Power, um, if you hit the rough version, it's a little softer feeling, uh, a little livelier. Um, and then if you, the other one, eco power was just a bit firmer, a bit deader. For me, um, and uh, the rough just um, felt like it got a bit more ball pocket, still very controlled string. Tension maintenance, I would probably go with eco power over eco rough. Just, uh, oh, well, I don't know if it was tension maintenance or just playability duration would maybe be a better phrase to use, just because they both lose, you know, any string's going to lose tension, especially polys. Um, and then with the eco power, whatever it did lose, there was less of an impact on the end result of my shot. Whereas with the rough, I started notice the ball started to fly a little bit. I think it, yeah, I think it's the same for me. I, I noticed that too. Like the eco rough uh, drop in playability quicker, and I think that's the way to put it. I think it's better because I mean you can hold attention maybe in similar ways, but then like some string is suddenly not performing at all anymore, right? So um, yeah, I also find like all the power rough drops faster than regular all I think. Yeah, um, yeah, I've noticed that too. Alu Power Rough, it's or even like Big Bang Original Rough, um, the playability just drops off a little bit. It feels great. Um, I prefer the feel of it out of the gate or off the stringing machine, as it were. Um, but then after I've hit it a little bit, then that, that's when I start to, you know, second week in or whatever, it's it's not playing as nice as just the regular one. Yeah, no, that's the thing. Like, and uh, finding a right string when you test everything is tough, like finding a string for. For you to use but if you if you're open to anything 16 i think that's that keeps some options open you know i've, I've been i've actually been playing with like uh last few because i played two tournaments in or was supposed to be two tournaments in in, in one week or two weeks total but uh and i've been playing with a pro kenix kiq plus five pro which is the top banana they call it on the your forums i think that's what someone told me um and it's like uh, the heavier one and it, it's a really nice feeling like racket. It feels a little bit sluggish at times. That's my issue with it. But it gives you extra power over my, my radical. And I've been using confidential 120. So that's 
much thinner than I usually would go, uh, or not much, it's by 0.5, but uh, it, it's, uh, I like Confidential, it's a very good string, I must say that's one of my current favorites, you know, but I need to test, get into testing more new strings coming up soon. Yeah, that's a nice string too, uh, really crisp feeling, but um, not in a harsh way, you know, just a really clean, nice response to it, lots of control, yeah, like that one as well. Yeah, that's great for sure. Uh, so you are now looking ahead of what house life in tennis warehouse. Are you looking ahead for 2024? I mean, you're already testing products pretty way in advance, you know, so. Yeah. So starting to hit some of the stuff that'll be coming out in January right now. Um, so yeah, it's always a fun time of year and it's a difficult time of year too, because there's not a lot of new stuff coming out towards the end of the year, you know, kind of getting into holiday and into sale kind of stories. Um, but <laughs> internally, we're hitting so much new stuff. Um, it's a really fun time to be a play tester. Um, we just can't talk about any of it until until January of next year. <laughs> so I remember it's um, one year, the pre I think it might have been like UTech IG or something like that was when Spencer Baller was still on the play test team. He still works here. He's our footwear buyer now, but he was spending the blade as he was known back in the day because uh, he used the, the K blade. Um, he... Uh, was hosting a lot of our reviews. It was when we used to interview each other on our reviews. So obviously way before COVID. And we shot all the prestige reviews in November, which is Movember here where everyone grows a mustache. And so we all yeah. had these like dirty mustaches. I think I had handlebars on mine and Spencer had a good mustache. And then everything came out in all the reviews came out in January for the racket launch. And so, um, yeah. So this is the time of year we do a lot of <laughs> Um, play testing. So if you see some mustaches coming out and reviews in January, you know why they were shot in November. <laughs> yeah, that, that kind of the, the point of it gets a bit weird because you're like, uh, yeah, yeah, we shot this. Like, yeah, we almost have to put like a disclaimer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what's what's happening here? Why is this <laughs> yeah. happening? And that's a that's a good idea. No, yeah, that must be really fun because like testing stuff that is in the works or at least like gonna be released and you don't know how it's gonna be received and you can discuss in your team must must be a lot of fun. Like it's it's uh. Uh, when it's out, it's out, you know, it's not, not more than that. Um, and hope, I think also my guess is that 2024 will be a, maybe a bigger release year than, than this year. There were some big releases this year, but, um, may I, you just a feeling you just thought it's going to be bigger. You already know, of course, but, but I, I, the feeling I have is that. Yeah. And then for brands, you know, they, each brand has, um, one of their franchises. So one of their racket silos, which is going to be you know, their, their lead silo, maybe it's because that's where their main athletes are or their main playability or just the history of that. Um, I would say Barbala is the one where it can switch between like pure drive and pure aero a little bit. Um, just, I think, based on on the on the launch of, of what they have to offer. Um, whereas with some of the other brands, it's like, you know, this is the, um, the one and so for them, it's going to be a bigger year, you know, bigger launch year. Whereas um, one of their other silos, so maybe for like Yonex, you know, E-Zone is, is a really popular one. And so whenever there's an E-Zone launch, it's it's a, an important year for them. And maybe, you know, um, something like Percept, which is new as well, is, is a story that people have kind of got to learn and, and experiment with and find out. So it's not as anticipated. There's not that initial buzz. It's more of like a slow build something like that whereas something like with e-zone for them it's they know it's going to be a big story we've talked about you know leading up to it and then obviously right when it comes out so yeah you'll see that with with each brand 
Yeah, the the control lines are these days usually the ones that are not so hyped. Like, I mean, I know it from the sales from from Head and from other brands. Like, it's like you have the Percept, you have the Prestige. I don't know the situation with Pro Stuff because Fed was like you know carrying the whole Pro Stuff line for so long. Uh, but but it and it's it Pro Stuff V14 was was a good bat. I don't know what what you thought of those, but uh, but with this year was like control, like Percept, Pro Stuff, and Prestige, and. Uh, that's a that's a tough racket to use. So most buyers will go for you know pure drives or e zones or something that is, you know, played by maybe their their top ambassador and also easier to use. Then so so the the racket companies or racket pros they will say you know you should use an e zone you need power you know and, and not the prestige or pro stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, people that especially people that are just getting into the game on the more casual player and you know they're that teaching pro might be using a pure drive or a pure arrow or an E zone or something like that. And they're like, Hey, you know, use this It's easy to use. And it's, you're going to have a lot of fun out there on the court with it. And so, um, those types of rackets, um, they have broader appeal than something like uh, a percept, a prestige, a gravity, um, a strike even, you know, for, for bubble is, is getting that way too. So, uh, a strike launch typically, you know, won't get the hype of a pure arrow or a pure drive launch. Although when team was on fire, you know, and they had the project one seven, um, that kind of changed the, the, the narrative there a little bit. And I think also with, with fed, you know, when the, when he switched the black racket and everyone's like, Oh, the head size looks bigger. And well, and there was this massive hype around it too. So those have been some instances where the control rackets have, have you know, stolen a bit of the thunder, but yeah, usually it, it's more in the, in the power spin kind of category where, where the hype is. Yeah, yeah, usually that's, but it's like no knocks on the on the controls because I think there's, like, it, it's an interesting question. I always get it. I, I alluded to it in the beginning. It's like, you know, should I, as an intermediate player, someone asks me, like, play, I, I want to play with the Prestige, but my coach tells me to play with a Clash or something, you know? Um, is it better to, if you're a dedicated, ambitious amateur to, like, groove your game with a prestige and be a bit punished if you're playing not so good so you have to move faster or playing with an easy racket which then um might be too easy and make them lazy uh that that's their reasoning uh, do you have any thoughts about that like i got that question so many times like i, I think even last night from from the, with another podcast so i mean i used to teach a little bit of tennis um and i would then i'd ask the student I'd be like okay what are your goals are you looking to really improve and clean up your technique and be the best player you can be? Or do you want to just go out and have fun right now and have a good time and just enjoy your tennis and keep it a really social, casual thing? Um, and if they answer the former, then I'm going to be like, okay, you know, let's maybe put you in something that's a little bit more demanding to use because it's going to really help you focus on finding the sweet spot and having nice, clean mechanics on making sure your footwork and preparation is, is top notch because it's going to have to be to use this racket. Um, Whereas if they just were like, hey, I just want to, you know, go play some doubles here at the club and have fun and kind of get to know some people and have, you know, be a real social thing. Um, here's, you know, here's an E-Zone, here's a pure drive. <laughs> how about it? Um, so, yeah, that's that's where I would go. Yeah, I think it's, it's ambition level and what you want to accomplish. And I my answer is usually like, if you can learn how to hit with more topspin, if that comes natural to you or it's something you even want to do, then you will get more out of a easier racket because you can control with the spin. But if you're playing flat and that's going to be a tough change or not maybe something you want to change, 
then it's going to be tough to control the ball with these rackets. They are made for hitting with, with more spin, like generally, or, or really short swings, but that's more beginner-style swings. So I, I can get that some players want to play with a racket that is on paper much more difficult than maybe they should by level definition. So I, I agree with you that the, the reply is good. Like, you know, these are the two options based on your preference, like, or based on what you motivation with your tennis. How, how strong do you want to improve? Like, do you want to improve physically as well? Because it's going to help to be a bit faster if you're going to use a prestige, for example. You need to maybe move around the ball more to be able to swing at it. Yeah, and I mean, you know, maybe you have, you know, you practice with one, and then when you've got a match coming up or something like that, then you switch back to the power racket. So, you know, let's say you put a prestige mid in your bag and you're hitting with that because you really want to just work on your timing and, and your mechanics. And then coming into a match situation, you're like, okay, I really play with the speed or I play with radical. I play, um, you know, with an extreme or something like that. Then, okay, now I'm getting back to used to hitting with my racket, but at least I know my, you know, I've been taking care of business by using something a bit more demanding. And now I get that free, easy power. Plus I've got better, hopefully cleaner mechanics. And so you kind of get in the best of both worlds. So, um, yeah, there's there's definitely different ways you can do it. Also, another question I get all the time in the comments is like rackets for the one-handed backhand. People always ask that. You, we talked about that, I think, last time as well. Um, you really feel probably like that the mid-size works so well on the one-handed. I feel like that. Um, for like a 100-square-inch racket, you think that the, like a 100-square-inch racket is not so suitable, but then you played with the Speed Pro, for example, for quite a while. Uh, so what are, you, what are you feeling there? Do you have any like thoughts around how maneuverable or the problem of maneuverability when you go up in head size, for example, on the one-hander. Yeah. So like I would say a racket where I do run into issues with would be an old school uh, Prince original graphite. You've got a heavy over 12 ounce racket and it's a 107. Um, it's a lot of racket to get around on a, on a one Um Funnily enough, it works just fine on the slice. It's the top spin more. And I think as my top spin backhand is fairly flat, you know, I'm not really hitting a ton of topspin on that. Um, and so I'm really feeling that full face of the racket against the air, whereas on a slice, I'm cutting through a bit more. Um, on the forehand, I'm coming up the back of the ball a bit more. And so instead of swinging against the air, I'm kind of cutting through with the frame. Um, and so I think that's why I do run into But yeah, something like the Speed Pro, not a problem. Uh, Gravity Pro, same thing. I can really get that through quickly, and it's a fairly heavy racket too. Um, so yeah, it is a bit of a combination of, I think, aerodynamics for me on that one and then um, overall weight and, and length. Yeah, I think it's something you might have to check. Like I always feel more natural playing below 100 square inches. I mean, there are some good 100 square inch rackets on the 100, but I, I tend to feel like more natural with the 98s, downward 95, 93, uh, even like, a, like the Prince Phantom 93 was a beautiful racket on like serve and and also one handed because it came through the air with this ultra thin beam as well, right? So that was a that was a racket I used for for a while. You know, it's not easy to defend with, which is the same with Prestige Classic. But but when you're attacking the ball, you have 100% belief in your own game. You know. Yeah, and I mean, I so I used the Pure Drive Plus. You know, so 100 square inches plus a longer length um, wasn't. Uh, so it, I could use that one. I couldn't use the Rodic or the Tor, what became then the Tor version, because then it was like, okay, now I've got this added weight and added length. And I'm like, uncle, you know, it's too much. I gave up on that one. Um, but with the standard one, it was still whippy enough that I could, I could 
get it around well. I um, I tried hitting uh, the Prince Graphite long body, which was 28 inches long. Um, again, such a fun racket to serve with and hit forehands with, but on the back end, I was like, I really would need to spend time with this racket. And then being a play tester coming out of that and into anything else, the difference was so dramatic that um, one thing I think that does influence my racket choice a little bit here is, is well, maybe not the current racket choice, but I need to be able <laughs> to switch easily from what I'm using um, into what I'm play testing. And uh, whenever I've used like a pure drive or a T flash or something like that, it's made that transition super easy. The Speed Pro was easy. I could go from that to pretty much anything. Um, the the Prestige Classic 2.0, there's going to be a bit more of a, a gap from my rack of the choice to, to whatever we're playtesting that week, but um, or that month, should I say. So, but it's, I, I like this racket so much, it's, I'm, I'm willing to do it. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask about that because like the transition is something I think about. Like if you have a racket that's very extreme, let's say you're playing with the Aero Rough Origin or something, and then you have a play test of a racket that's 290 grams, right? Um, like a blade 104 or something. And then you're like, this is so different. And obviously we've you've tested even more rackets than I have, but uh, we've tested a lot of rackets. You get used to transitioning, right? But for example, like let's say you, with the Prestige Classic, when do you have time to use it? Do you play like for some matches or just for, for casual knocks? When is it gonna be used? Because you're testing all the time pretty much. Yeah, so for me, it'll be string play testing. And then, um, you know, so sometimes I'll go down to the core. I've got a couple of rackets I'm going to hit. I've got my racket with some strings in it that um, I'm going to test. And I'll probably have a pair of shoes on that I'm testing as well at the time. Um, and then on Fridays, Friday's my fun day. So that's when I spoil myself and I'll go down and I might hit a wood racket. I might hit a... Um, a friend of mine gave me a Max 200G, so I've been hitting that on Fridays a lot because uh, I never had one, always wanted one. I finally got one, so um, I'll hit some other vintage stuff. I might just hit a, a racket that we're playtesting that I really like, you know, and then um, I might be playtesting a pair of shoes that I'm not a huge fan of, so then I'll put a pair of shoes on that I like, which so that'll probably be like a Joe Res 9s, my favorite shoe right now, or Barricade, something like that. Um, and then so yeah fridays fridays are my fun day i'm gonna hit rackets i want to hit strings i want to hit shoes i want to hit in and then uh monday through thursday is 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 everything else <laughs> yeah i think that makes sense i think it's good to have one day where you're cheat day or whatever you want to call it like i mean the day where you, you allow yourself to uh, let a bit loose i think that's generally good where whatever you're doing but um you mentioned shoes right so uh, it, Gel Rest 9, is that your current favorite? Like, it's become my favorite for uh, for clay, at least. I'm using it on clay. I haven't tried it on hard. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's it's a shoe that I can't find any real flaws with. Uh, and it's a very solid shoe. I'm keen to test other shoes as well in the now coming months. But but it's it's been, like, a very solid one that is just easy. Like when you're playing a tournament, you don't want to mix around the shoes or rackets because it, it goes all over the place, right? Yeah, I, re I mean, that's a shoe I, I really like. Um it just does everything well the blend of grip and give from the outsole perfect you know it's like all the grip you need to sprint for the next shot there's enough give that when you're taking those small adjustment steps and pivoting the shoe's not so sticky that it's getting stuck to the court and hanging up and affecting your movement and you're not noticing it you know if you can play tennis and not think about the shoes they're doing their job that's the the best compliment i can give a tennis shoe is just completely being able to forget about it and play tennis um they're durable 
they've got plenty of cushioning for me. Um, I feel like I've, I can feel the core on the under my forefeet, you know, on the, on, when I'm up on my toes, I can really feel connected, feel fast. And yet there's plenty of cushioning there that when I'm, you know, scampering back for an overhead, I don't get up and back as well as I used to. But when I do jump up and try and, you know, get back for the overhead and come down hard, that's when I'm really going to be coming down hard. There's still plenty of cushioning under my heels. So yeah, shoe that does everything well for me. And I think I like the eight. This one, I feel like, again, subtle updates, like any issues that were in the eight have been addressed. And um, yeah, so it's, it's a really nice shoe to play. And I like it more than the Cord FF3 and the Solution Speed that they have. Um, and then on the other shoes, I like uh, the Barricade as well. It's, it's, it's a good shoe. Fits my foot well. And again, I just feel it's a shoe I can put on and just forget about and play my tennis. So it's a nice one. Yeah, that's that's what you need. You want to forget about the gear for what for yeah. the time you play, at least you know. Uh, when it comes to strings, like, do you have any favorite multis? Because I had this question uh, with Nicola Ratchet from Intuitive Tennis. We went through the strings, and in his opinion, it's better for like uh, club, some club level players to play with like a poly, that's a responsive poly but at a lower tension. While I'm still like kind of, you know, I I do have a soft spots for multi-filaments like you know i do like velocity i like triax actually and um what's your opinion there do you feel like like for players that are average club player poly or multi is multi still fine or should they go poly low tension what tension are you using for example um so well, well my favorite multi um is uh technofiber multi-feel it's um it's not an expensive string i think it's right around 10 or 12 bucks something like that here in the US um, and it is one of the most spin friendly multis I've hit. Uh, I've had it fraying in my racket about to break and it's still somehow snapping back, you know, like I'm not straightening the strings as much as I would with other multis. Yeah, you do have to straighten them a bit where you don't have to necessarily with most polys. Um, so the string is returning to its position and uh, it's not a super soft and powerful multi. So for me being a a poly player it's easier for me to hit that string um so yeah it's one i would go to i i like it a bit more. i just like the feel of it interacting with the ball a little bit more than i would with something like a triax um uh, another string that we just wrapped up a play test on was babala exalt um mm. that one again plenty of control not as much spin um but definitely good depth control on the flatter shots i really felt like i could control the depth of the ball well with that one um, and then, uh, reflex and velocity MLT are actually like both of those two good, good strings. Would you ever consider going back to a multi like, or you feel like you're in poly land now? Um, yeah, I really like the polys. They, they, you know, I do feel like it, it's almost like cheating a little bit. There's definitely shots that even with like, um, multi field, which gets me the closest, uh, I feel like the ball is floating a bit, you know, a bit more than, than I would like. And with a poly, it just seems to make that ball drop and hook inside the lines, which is, which is nice. And especially, um, one thing I think you can do on, um, multi-filaments, if you, if you're a player that, you know, that's, that's swinging quickly is go with a thicker gauge because it will deaden the string bed. Yeah. So that, that's, yeah. that's one way you can do it. Okay. I like the 130 or 16 at least. Like in tracks, even at 138, which then you have a bit better durability, you know. So that's that's pretty good. Like thick polys or multis, sorry. 
Yeah. And then, you know, and then with polys, I would find something that you can keep in your racket pretty fresh and it's not going to break the bank, you know, like, so if, um, if a really expensive poly, you're like, okay, I don't want to be putting this in my rackets every two to three weeks. Maybe look for something that's very similar in playability that, that you can, you know, comfortably afford to put it in your rackets every two to three weeks, just to keep it fresh. But I think people, you know, they look at their, especially at the club level, they look at their racket and they're like, yeah, it still looks brand new, you know, and I've, you know, they've had it in there a year. Well, yeah, it's because it's, it's a very durable string material. Um, it's not going to visually change a lot, but the playability has definitely changed a lot. Um, and so for that player, um, you know, I'd at least recommend if, you know, if you have a somewhat frequent player, minimum three to four times a year, you want to be getting fresh strings in your rackets just because it's part of the racket that touches the ball, you know, it, you feel so much um through the strings we, we've had debates here internally it's like okay would you like a racket that you really like but a string you hate or a string you really like and a racket that you don't like and most people go with the string they really like just because you can make a racket that's not perfect play better by getting the right string and the right tension in it whereas um a lousy string and tension even in a racket that you do like can make it instantly almost unplayable so yeah yeah i agree 100 percent. like actually if you have like your go-to strings are so important for your playability and for your how you confident you are with your strokes like more sometimes than the racket so that that part people maybe don't think about so much but the string is important like you you put a shit string in a good racket doesn't matter like the racket yeah. can be as good as it is but it doesn't matter you know if the string is dead it's dead or it's it's loose or it's it's uh, drops tension too quickly and stuff like that but yeah so you think like for uh the, the casual amateur it can still be fine to put a poly but Try not to uh, string too high and, and avoid like the, the, maybe the stiffest options on the market. Yeah, you can go down in the 40 pounds because uh, it's a stiff string. I mean, I've hit poly at handful tension. You know, I just pulled <laughs> okay. it straight and I put a clamp on it. I don't know why I put a clamp on it, but I did. Um, uh, because it is such a strip, stiff string, you can still play it. Um, you can, yeah, you can play it at 10, 15 pounds. And when you get in the 20s, sometimes the string vibration and the racket vibration harmonize and it becomes like a tuning fork and then it's like tennis elbow in five minutes usually those vibrations are very different and they cancel each other out to some extent um but there is a tension for each racket where the two vibrations <laughs> align and it's not a good thing you want to so you'll find if like if you play around and i uh so i took a vocal power bridge 10 mid and i started at 50 pounds with cyclone then i went 45, 40, 35, 30, 25, 20, 15, 10. And then the five pounds was, was just like basically a hand pull because the stringing machine, the lowest tension on it was 10 pounds. So I had to just hand pull it, guess for five pounds. And um, I think it was right around in that racket with that string, it was right around 25 pounds was um, the point where the string and, and uh, racket vibrations were amplifying each other and it was it was really bad experience but any other tension like at 30 35 is great interesting like when i got closer to 40 i got more trampoline effect than i got at 30. so 30 it was like i had taken so much tension out that now it, it deadened the string bed again because the string just wasn't at enough tension to trampoline back and like make the ball float um whereas i got more more push from the string bed at like 40 than I did at say 20. Um, so yeah, it was in it. It was a really interesting experiment. So yeah, you can go low with a, with a poly, 
to increase comfort, but just, um, yeah, think about keeping some fresh strings in your racket. It just makes the whole hitting the ball so much more enjoyable. Yeah, I, I'd like my main recommendation if you're a real tennis fan, yeah, enthusiast, nerd, whatever you want to call it, is that learning how to string is a great idea. Like, you don't need to buy the most expensive stringing machine. Then you can experiment, so that's fun. You know, it's like the test you did, I think it's music to a lot of people's ears. They're like, oh, how fun to try 30, 35, and 25. And I didn't know about this, where the vibrations, that was quite interesting because that's it shows there's so much to explore still in, in tennis because that can have to do with, like, the, the rackets, you know, layup, mold, and everything. So uh, that that's quite fascinating, and the string, of course. So, uh, and you you need to kind of experiment to find your sweet spot to find where like this I like. I mean, you you seem to know after all this testing pretty well. Like you like, you know, a sixteen gauge. I think you said forty eight pounds, right? Something like that. Yeah, yeah, and, and it it'll vary. Like sometimes if it's a soft, livelier poly, when I was in the Speed Pro, I might go up to fifty two, or if I'm testing multis in that racket i was in the low 50s um but then most of the time yeah 48 pounds um and then we have a couple of different machines here so depending on what machine it was on i might ask the stringer to vary the tension a little bit yeah that's it no it's, that's that's fun it's a fun part of experimenting but if you have your own machine and you can buy a reel or several reels or whatever and you don't have to buy the most expensive string uh, you can still get like there's so many polyesters now and you have like, I guess, budget categories on, on tennis warehouse as well. So people can actually check, okay, what's, what's a, you know, pretty cheap string that still does the job. And then you have a reel of that and you're going to save a lot of money compared to like stringing always up maybe 4G or something that's quite expensive as a string. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I am happy to recommend whatever works best for the play, you know, and help them find that. And, um, you know, yes, we, we sell tennis gear and there's expensive tennis gear and there's more affordable tennis gear and you know, here, we really want to get you in the right gear. Because if we can get you in the right rack or get you in the right string, hopefully next time you want to buy something tennis related, you think of us and you had a good experience and you'll come back. You know, that's our company policy pretty much in a nutshell. And um, and so it, it just boils down to getting someone into the right gear, regardless of, of their budget or, you know, aspirations and just um, looking for ways that we can with our videos to have the conversation, you know, with the player, because obviously they're not coming into a shop and talking to us one-on-one. -on -one. And so that's what we, you know, that's the idea behind our re written reviews, video reviews, any of the kind of content we put out is like, how can we kind of educate the player and help them find the right gear, um, you know, as, as best as we can. And then obviously when, if they do call in or they do, they're in San Luis Obispo or in Atlanta and they stop in or in Schudevold in Germany or in um, Perth in Australia, they can stop in one of our places and uh, and have a chat but if if we don't have that luxury then um you know then we try and do it through content yeah and it's uh, super valuable i think that's uh, what people have really been i mean i've seen that through my own site and, and youtube channel and everything that there's a a strong need for like covering these topics because it's like a dark hole it seems like and i i love your tennis warehouse university for example it's, it's great and i try to market as much as i can you know in a way because i i like to use it and it usually, the string comparisons, I usually feel like it kind of validates some of my own feelings. I'm like, exactly what I thought about this string is true, <laughs> you know? So it's it's a funny game, you know? I check everything I can there uh, and compare it. I, to I do string. exactly the same thing. So sometimes I'll hit a string and I'll be like, man, I like this string. And then I'll go talk to Crawford, our, our teed up professor. And he's like, oh yeah, it's this, you know, 
three point stiffness difference between the string that you I know you love. So yeah, obviously that's why you like it. Anyways. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny how often I feel like I can even predict the scores now. Like maybe I've used it too much, but it's like you sit there and you're like I uh, this confidential. I I, I you know tested the 120 gauge, which is usually thinner, like I said, and. And I, I, I'm like, I think I know the scores approx of this string. And then it was like coinciding very well with what I thought. And I was like, okay, yeah, it's good. It's good. It's, it's a good validation for TV, TWU and, and also for, for my own feeling because I was like, okay, you start to understand that like that's type of stiffness and this kind of responsiveness and also like the spin potential, I feel like is quite easy to, not easier, but it's like, you know when a string has mediocre spin potential and you check the, the the ratings and it's like actually true. Like, yes, I felt like that had not so good spin potential. And then you see one oh, that's up in the six or sevens, which is pretty high. And you're mm -hmm. like, okay, I, 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 I've had a feeling. So that, that's it's a really cool tool. Like it's, uh, I love it. So it's it's great. Kudos to Crawford for the for the work he puts in behind the scenes. Yeah, he uh, he does a lot of testing, man. It's, <laughs> he's a busy, <laughs> busy guy. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. I'm gonna let you go because I know you're a busy guy and your 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 day just started. I have um I have one last question uh for this time, but it's like dampener or no dampener for Chris Edwards. No dampener. Yeah, I used to play him. So when I played college tennis and stuff and as a junior I played dampeners and then when I started playtesting here at T Dub, I stopped using it just because I wanted to really feel the string bed, really wanted to feel the racket and everything in its just natural state. Um and it was a, you know, maybe for like a week, it was a bit of a, a change up just because the, the sound, you know, is so different with a dampener than, than without. Um, but yeah, yeah. So no damp for me. That's good. That's good. Also, I have one more. Uh, are you planning to do any kind of like brackets of the year or something like that? Is that going to come from TW? Um, yeah, usually we have, um, you know, our favorite, you know, we'll do like a playtest of picks. Um, Kind of thing and you'll see that we'll do an, uh, a content page for the website um we'll probably have a video element of that too and it'll be yeah our our top picks for the year so we we have one right now and we update them um probably like two to three times a year because stuff comes out periodically and so yeah we'll probably be due for an update just because we've had some stuff come out recently so yeah check the website for that yeah I will. I will. And it's always fun to keep up with what what's happening because people do m make more switches than you think. And yeah, I know how you, how it is <laughs> very well. It's like if you play with a racket more than three months, you're like, wow, this is a long term keeper. Yeah. <laughs> it. I mean, for for what we do, like we hit so many different rackets. You know, it's it's tough to stick with one racket when every other week, you know, uh, there's new stuff coming in and getting put into the, the mix and then you're just finishing up one place as starting another one already, you know, halfway through the one you're still working on. Um, and then, you know, that's, well, that's why I need the Fridays, you know, so like they, they keep me sane. <laughs> yeah. And also, I mean, they, like we talked about last time, I think the quality level of rackets, they had a period where, where you couldn't really like, I mean, there could be some really bad rackets, but nowadays they, they really thought it through. Like, I mean, in 90% of the cases you're like, yeah, this is this is good. It might not be up to what you like, but from an engineering point of view, they put some time and effort into this racket. So uh, it's hard to find some duds, you know, which is also why temptation is always around the corner. Yeah, to make a yeah, switch. Yeah, I mean, everyone is making really quality rackets these days. That's you just don't you don't see a, a bad racket come to market just because 
I mean, it's just not going to survive. You know, it's not going to be a, no. a profitable, um, viable option for the manufacturer to do that. The, the competition is so tough. And I think for a new company or like um, coming into looking at making rackets, so you have a string company like, um, you know, like Selenko or Diadem or, um, you know, even Technofiber, you know, trying to make more of an impact in the racket you know, it's been a slow build for them and they're a hugely popular string company for many years. And so like when um, they really ramped up, you know, the focus on their rackets and got a lot of tour support, they have fantastic tour support and their racket franchises, um, you know, at one point had world number ones across the board, like men's, women's doubles um, uh, was, you know, it's still like a building process for them and they make great rackets. And I still, I still, string play test with the tf40s all the time that's still in my rotation um really like that racket uh but even for a brand like that to make an impact is tough because you know you've got Pablo making great rackets yonex making great rackets um head obviously um you know all the top brands already like you know people are excited when the next pro stuff is going to come out you know there's all this anticipation for what already exists in the marketplace so for, for any brand even if they've got a strong tennis following, be it in apparel, be it in strings or any other kind of equipment to then come into rackets, it's tough to do. You know, not only do you have to be as good or better um, as what's already out there, you've got to attract people away from what's already out there. And, you know, if they're super excited about the next pro stuff, why are they going to look at the next, you know, racket hex? So yeah, tough stuff out there for these <laughs> Phil. I feel for the racket engineers right now. It's, uh, you know, there's so many good rackets, even just updating, you know, like we talked about certain brands doing subtle updates. It's, it's tough to make something that's really good play even a little bit better. So, uh, yeah, they got their work cut out for them for sure. Yeah, for sure. And there's a lot of like brand loyalty and, and, you know, obviously marketing players want to play with, you know, if their favorite player plays with this racket, they're not going to switch to another brand. So. Like with strings, I feel like there's a much more room to say, hey, you can experiment, especially if you have your own machine, like I said. But with, with rackets, it's like that, that that's more like tough because you are, it's more of an expense, you know? So so it's like people having to pay for a racket and they already have one, maybe they like, they wouldn't do that. But with a string, they can buy a set, they test that. Oh, I like this. I heard about this string. So I think for racket manufacturers, yeah, to, to get market share from the big ones, it's uh, it's, a, it's a challenge. Like if you, if you do the right sponsorships and you have the money for it, yes, like Technifiber, but it's not easy. Yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely a tough. It's, uh, I think, the hardest thing to break into. Um, I mean, shoes, building a good shoe is really tough to do. Uh, there's just so much goes into um, creating a, a really good shoe. Um, so on an engineering front, that's very difficult. Um, but I think, again, it's something like someone would see a new shoe brand. And I'm like, oh, I'll try it on. You know, I've never worn on before. Aaron, getting Roger, it doesn't hurt. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, and then, you know, we see that on for Running Warehouse too. You know, like I think people are very brand loyal. But then when something comes along, they're like, oh, I might, I might try it, you know. Whereas with, I think with a racket, it's, um, I, for me, I, I think that's the, the most difficult impact to have in the marketplace. Yeah, 100% agree. All right, Chris, this has been great. Uh, always fun talking rackets with you and other things. Uh, I hope all is well in, in general. Uh, surfing season is 
Is it still going going? Uh, so there's swell hitting today. Um, so yeah, it should be head high surf on my way home. I'll be in it. <laughs> That's great. Um, yeah, probably get like an hour and a half in on the way home. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Awesome, man. Well, enjoy it and say hi to the team. And whenever you want to jump on and talk rackets and strings and gear, we, we do that. It's always fun to, to chat. And then maybe I see you in person, not too far away. We'll see. Sounds good, mate. Cheers. Take care. Thanks for joining.